What's up, everybody? This is Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Endurance and Mastery. And today, I'm very excited to share a recent interview that I did with Michael Parnell. Michael is a friend that I met while Everesting 29029, where he climbed 29,029 feet for a purpose and raised over $100,000 in the process. Mike is an entrepreneur, an endurance athlete, and founder of Ascent to a Cure, a foundation that raises awareness and funds for children with myositis and their families. Now, his inspiration for all of this is his daughter, Ryan, who was diagnosed with juvenile myositis at the age of three and still battles it to this day. In this episode, we talk about his lessons learned from running, the work that he's done for JM, and the importance of having a strong why with whatever you're doing. If you are interested in setting big goals, in entrepreneurship, and working towards a cause or a mission, then you are going to love this episode. I'm going to roll the trailer, and then we're going to get right into it. Do you want to complete an endurance event and elevate all areas of your life, but you don't know where to start? Then you're in the right place. Talking Endurance and Mastery is a podcast to help you create a vision and take steps towards your goals and dreams. I'm your coach, Mario Minner. I've completed events like Ironmans and Ultramarathons, but I believe the true benefit from endurance events is how they help you become the best version of yourself. Join me as I share stories, lessons, and interview guests to help you apply endurance and mastery principles into every area of your life. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, Mike. So there's a lot of different places that we could start with this, but where I wanted to go first is I want to start with a recent post that you made where you were talking about this past year. And you said it was a year of running where you ran 53 10Ks, 83 5Ks, a half marathon, a first marathon in Philly, and you ran a combined 36.5 miles in the Ragnar Relay Reach the Beach race with a great group of friends. And you ran a total of 779 miles on the year. So first of all, congratulations. And I'm just curious, like how long have you been running and and why did you make it such a priority this past year? So September, 2019, I started running uh, for, you know, for exercise. And before that I was just doing, you know, hit workouts and yoga and stuff like that. But, um, I saw Jesse Itzler speak at at an event, uh, Lewis House Summit of Greatness. And he was talking about two things, 29029, which I was like amazed by and just so drawn to, and then uh, Living with a Seal, the book. So as soon as I left that event, I downloaded Living with a Seal, signed up for a 5K like a week later, and that was it, off off and running, so to speak. (laughs) That is one of my favorite books. Like it's one of those things that is equally parts like super inspiring, but hilarious at the same time I find I find myself like on both sides of that spectrum and I think I've also had a similar influence by Jesse like anytime you hear him speak you just like want to go out there and just do something epic so that's kind of cool to hear that it, it just started in 2019 but do you remember like what was it that made you even just immediately take action and sign up for a 5k like a week later so I was really drawn to 29 or 29 when he, when he was talking about it, I did a lot of hiking as a kid. Like just, I grew up in New Hampshire from second grade to eighth grade. So I always loved like the mountains and hiking and 
do, I wasn't really doing a lot of that living down here in New Jersey. It's just not that, but it, something about that event really, really drew me. So I, I, I'm literally like, thank God this didn't work, but I like opened my phone at the event, tried to sign up for 29, to 29 which is like six weeks later. Thank God I would have failed miserably. <laughs> oh my gosh. No cardio whatsoever. But I did, you know, mark it on my calendar to for the for the sign up date uh for the following year, which was gonna be 2020's event, which obviously was postponed a year and and we both did that one together in 21. But like that kind of just locked me into all right, you know, I'm gonna start doing more cardio and and running and when I, once I started doing it, I'm like, oh, this is, you know, I, I really enjoy this. And then uh, we've talked about it before. I, another Jesse Hitzler influence, I started doing the Galloway method and, and instantly went from like barely running three to four miles to running like eight, nine, 10 miles at a time, just by running, running, walking intervals. And once I could do that, I was really just hooked. You know, I, I just really enjoyed it. Like the alone time to like think and listen to books and podcasts and stuff while exercising was just, you know, a habit that instantly stuck. Yeah. Cause I think that there's something there for people that are listening to this, where it, it sounded like it was the event of Everesting of 29029. That was like that spark it was like, all right, I want to like be able to complete this. And then that led to the habit of running. And that's something that I've seen in my own life too, where it's, a lot of times people want to try and get in shape first before they sign up for something, but it's almost mm -hmm. better to just like sign up for something. And then it almost forces you uh, to build that habit. So uh, that's really cool to hear. And, you know, I know one, one big thing that I believe that I've talked about on this podcast, and I know that you have talked about this as well, is just the, the connection between endurance events and running can you just talk about like what are some of the the biggest lessons that that running and competing in endurance events has taught you? You know, one thing that was happening earlier on, and it was probably due to the uh, the insane like hype up and motivation that uh, you get from listening to Goggins and and Jesse for that matter, is like I was instantly like kind of overtraining, doing more than I was really ready to do at that time, and I was getting these little like you know pulls in my calf, lower calf little strains here and there. And I would instantly think like, oh my God, like, this is it. I tore my calf. I'm not going to be able to do this event. Nine months in advance, <laughs> you know, like plenty of time to recover from a little calf strain. But I, I learned through that, like not everything is a big deal. You know, there's a little bit of a setback, but it's not the end of the world. Like you've got time to make an adjustment. And then I, I started realizing through that, that like, if I make these little micro adjustments, maybe my foot was landing a little weird today. Maybe I was landing a little too much on my heel or too much on my toes and it was straining a certain muscle that, you know, I could just adjust the way I'm landing. So that kind of taught me that like these little tiny micro adjustments are sometimes all you need and like the issue goes away right away. Um, and that's something that you could easily carry over to everything. It would change the way, you know, someone reacts to a comment that you make. Micro adjustments are really all that's needed sometimes and not everything is this, you know, massive deal. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really powerful because, you know, let's say you sign up for an event and you're you're training and you have a setback. It can be really easy to fall into the like worst case scenario, like catastrophic takeaway. But like you said, it's like, okay, I 
I can solve this through a few small micro adjustments. I have time to recover. And that is something that carries over. So that's, uh, that's really powerful. Does, does anything else come to mind for you? Yeah. Like when, when, like when we were in 29 of 29, people have asked me like, you know, did you ever like hit a low point where you thought like, this is it, like, you're not going to be able to finish this thing. And I, I, people were blown away because I actually did really well in it. I finished in like 31 hours with five or six hours of sleep. And I was just on, on a very consistent, steady pace the whole way. And I was like, yeah, like halfway up the first hike. <laughs> like as soon as first real steep ascent section and my heart was like, boom, 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 boom. And I just started feeling like a little overwhelmed, like, wow, this is going to be really hard. I'm already like straining. And then I got to the top and I checked my watch and it was like 44 minutes. I was expecting like an hour and 15 each lap <laughs> before. And I just knocked that out in 44 minutes. Like that's blowing away any pace that I thought. So I'm like, there it is. You know, you instantly have those, um, anytime you're doing anything hard, I think you instantly have those like moments of like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? Or am I going to be able to do this? Like that kind of imposter syndrome type of thing. And that's an easy takeaway from, from doing an event is like, yeah, you're going to hit these hard parts and walls, but it's a lot of times it's just your mind, like playing tricks on you. And like, you're clearly capable. If I can do a 44 minute lap, I'm clearly capable of doing this event in 36 hours. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of speaking to like that power of having like a really strong why. And I think that that's kind of, uh, that's something that's been very apparent to me is like how how strong of a why that you have with the causes that you're you're raising money for and awareness and for your own daughter. And so that's kind of where I want to go next because one of the other things that I've seen you talk about is how you are an impressive endurance athlete, but the the real marathoner in your in your family is your daughter Ryan. And this is something that you posted recently where you said. She's the real marathoner, and I just try to be her pacer. Uh, Raising a child with a rare disease is like a never-ending marathon. Every time you think you're reaching the top of the hill or turnaround location, there seems to be another bend in the road. It requires an incredible amount of stamina and endurance to stay in the race. But we have no choice, right? There's no way we'd quit on our kids. So can you you talk about your daughter, Ryan, and her uh, journey with juvenile uh, myositis? Yeah. So, um, she is now eight and a half. She was diagnosed, um, with a very rare, uh, autoimmune disease, um, JM back in, uh, she was a week before she was three years old. And, uh, I mean, it's super rare, like two to three in a million kids get diagnosed with this. So hundreds of kids in the U S have this, um, which is super, super rare. And obviously with any autoimmune disease, I don't think there's any of them that are, that there's a cure for when you have an autoimmune of any sort, you pretty much have that for life, whether or not it's manageable um, well, or with heavy medications, you know, it's not going away at at this point. So yeah, it's, it's been really tough. I mean, you know, we, that's one of the things that got me into like getting into better health was like when, when she first got got diagnosed, like the symptoms are like uh, muscle weakness because your, your immune system attacks your, muscle cells in your legs and, and shoulders area. So like she literally went from being a normal three-year-old running around to she, one day she couldn't walk up the stairs by herself. So, and it was literally like a two week time frame from when like she first started acting a little weird to like, she couldn't run anymore. 
So yeah, and fortunately for us, she got diagnosed like immediately from her pediatrician, which is also insanely rare because like most people have no idea what to even look for, or what what that even is. So we were very fortunate, and she was she got on medication and it kind of got under control very quickly. But we like had no idea what that was going to lead to when she first got diagnosed. So you know that was a kind of a real driver for me to like take my health seriously and get stronger and more you know, physically stronger, which then turned into more mentally stronger because, you know, it's not just (laughs) when you're trying to deal with something that big, it's not just like physical strength you need. You got to be able to handle things differently, which is kind of another thing that draws me to endurance event. It's just like mental training that why I really love doing it and like doing stuff that I don't think I can do is frankly, because I didn't know if I could handle, you know, managing her disease and that impact on our family. So endurance events have really like, it's almost like a training ground for me. Try to force myself to hit that wall where I'm like ready to go and ready to give up and then just bust through it. But yeah, she, she's been on this up and down roller coaster for like five and a half years now. And uh, it's tough on her. It's tough on the family. You know, she's had her initial flare and then two more flares since then over the years. So we literally just got done managing through one of those flares where once it activates, she goes on a really heavy dose of steroids. Like, I don't know if you've ever taken oral steroids, but if you hurt your back as a grown man, you might be on like 15 milligrams of steroids for a week or two and you'll gain weight. And like these kids get on, my daughter's seven when she flared maybe 55 pounds and she was on 50 milligrams. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> like people, people that don't know anything about it are like, Oh my God, like that's, yeah. to take that much. Well, this is, this is just like hitting really close to home for me because my daughter is going to be three in a few months. And yeah. to think about her going through that, like that is one of my biggest fears, like as a parent, is just having something that you can't control and having something happen to them that you can't really improve. And so I'm just curious, like, what, what is that like as a parent and how have you been able to, to manage that, that journey? Yeah. I mean, it's funny you say like control. So like the first round of this lasted about two and a half years where we were like, You know, she had like 12 months of steroids and weaning off that. With that, she was going for every month, she would do an IV infusion in the hospital. Uh, That had lasted two years, that first cycle. And then we were doing weekly shots in her leg that I would have to give her for a year and a half. So we did like, actually, no, two and a half years until we finally like thought we had it under control. And then we pulled that last medication and two months later, it flared back up. So that was one, one lesson kind of we had to learn. It was like, we, we were trying to like control the process. And like, sometimes you don't, you can't have control. Like, like we thought, all right, like, what is this little shot doing? Like, it's such a low dose. Like, let's just pull it. Like, I think we, I think we won quote quote unquote, you know what I mean? Like, I think we got, and we didn't. And, you know, sometimes I think we just got to have more patience and, kind of like just let go and things will work out as they're supposed to. But yeah, that's, that was really one thing. One very hard part to learn was like, maybe this isn't winnable. Like maybe like if we can manage it, that is a win. 
eventually a lot of these kids go into remission in like their teens, but like we were trying to, you know, raise the flag of victory when she was five. And maybe that was a little premature. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine how hard that must be, but you know, from a distance, like I've seen your daughter, Ryan, I've seen you post pictures of her like at dance uh, and just being like bringing so much positive energy and joy and, and still doing lots of activities. So like how, how has she like inspired you through this process with the way that she's faced this, this challenge? She's, she's something else. I mean, like she's been through more in eight years, you know, eight years of her life than almost every adult I know. And she's still able to just keep that smile on and show a overwhelming concern for others when, you know, you're not feeling well and she notices like she'll, she'll be all over you. Like, you know, can I get you this? Can I, you know, are you okay. Are you feeling better? If she saw you a week later, which is really a, like an amazing amount of empathy that she has for her age. And uh, what really blows me away is just like, you know, like she is very scared of getting blood work done and she has to get it done like pretty much monthly. You know, sometimes like the medications are just nasty, like swallowing them, like the steroids taste gross and the shots were she was terrified of the shots but like literally every week we had to do it so her ability to just like be terrified or or upset and just take a breath and like okay and just like step into it mind-blowing to me that that must take since she was three years old yeah you know anytime that you've had to do that in your life like all right you know i don't want to do this but like all right let's go she does that on a regular basis out of need, out of necessity, but it's just amazing that she can do it. And I think that'll really carry her, you know, when she's older to be able to, you know, remember those times where she didn't really did not want to do something and just step forward anyways. Yeah. That has got to take like such courage and bravery to do that consistently and Mm -hmm. to even like use that to give her more empathy for other people like that. That's amazing. And so even one of the things that you talked about, just now is how you had to learn that you can't control like this process. But one of the things that you did do is you did take the step of trying to, of starting the foundation and raising money and raising awareness with through the ascent to a cure. So, you know, what, what made you decide to start to do that? And and what are some of the things that you have going on with ascent to a cure? Originally, right when we signed up for 29029, I was going to do it as a fundraiser. My idea was to, um, to you know, enter it. My goal was $29,029 tied to the event. And uh, I came up with this, with this name, you know, Ascent to a Cure, uh, all kind of 29029 related. And um, I was in this, um, this virtual mastermind group and we were meeting and I, I you know, was talking about this new goal I had. And and one of the guys was like, that's, that's not big en- a big enough dollar value. Yeah, it's pretty big. Like <laughs> $29,000 in, in a year is pretty big. Like, uh, you know, I don't know too many people that are going to be, you know, massive donors. So like, that's a lot of small donations for me. And he's like, well, it's not enough. Like you can do more. Like it's not enough to like really invite large donations. You, you'll be able to pick, pick away at that with small donations and you'll get pretty close. Like you need to set the goal higher. And I was like, Okay. And he's like, and so I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to raise it that hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, how the heck am I going to raise a hundred thousand? <laughs> and the, the fundraiser was going to go to the Cure Jam Foundation. 
or it did go to the Cure Jam Foundation, uh, which is at the time is the only foundation other now other than ours that supports kids and families with juvenile myositis. And they primarily do like research, uh, like medical research to find better treatments uh, and hopefully a cure one day. So it, it did excite me more to have a big goal, even though I had no idea how I was ever going to possibly reach that number. So then I started thinking like, it, it, this is going a little bit off of a scent to a cure, but it, it does tie in. Then I started thinking like, you know, he's kind of right. Like I got, it challenges you when you have a bigger goal than you can think you can do like it challenges you to think differently you know i'm not just reaching out to mario and trying to get 50 dollars from him like now i gotta think like how do i get how do i raise like chunks at a time how do mm-hmm. i put this goal down so then i came up with i was in at the time i was involved with our town's youth wrestling organization like the recreation group so came up with a fundraiser tournament it was a youth wrestling tournament and it was take down pediatric autoimmune disease it ended up being a massive tournament. We had like over 550 kids enrolled. Wow. Some, one town brought 100 kids. I mean, you, you come from Iowa, you probably know like Jersey is a big wrestling state. And, and then we got sponsors for the tournament and donated that we sold and yada, yada. And, and in that one event, we raised $16,000. Wow. And that went into the pot. And then I'm like, all right, you know, now we're getting some momentum. And then earlier in that year, I decided to, another way to really step forward and like commit myself, I decided to donate 10% of the profit for each new house that we, that my company builds to this fundraiser to, to support, you know, my daughter and juvenile myositis. And then I'm like, all right, you know, if I time those donations to when the foundation is, is doing the fundraisers, they often have like a big donor that matches so then I started, you know, making like six, $7,000 donations at a time during those periods, and they would be doubled. And then with that, then 2929 got postponed a year, and I had a whole another year to, to, to fundraise. And then I was following that, that process, and by the end of 2020, 2021, by the time the, the holiday fundraiser closed and the year was done, I had raised, I think, $106,000. Wow. Yeah, it was super, uh, a super proud moment. Like the, that fall was was big. I, I think we like almost doubled our fundraising in just in the last couple months of the year through that, you know, that timing process. But um, yeah, that is amazing. That's like a masterclass in taking like setting a, a massive goal, like you said, and thinking differently. Because yeah, when you change when you change from 29,000 to a hundred thousand, the, the strategy or the tactics that you were going to use for 29, that probably isn't going to get you to a hundred. And so that's even just making me think bigger right now about goals that I'm going after and the process for going after that. So that that's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a proud moment. And, uh, and it also kind of, you know, so tying it to starting my own foundation, it kind of, was like a, a proof of concept that I, I can like, I can raise a lot of money and I can do it probably consistently through, you know, coming up with, with bigger chunk goals like that. So the, the, the idea of Ascent to a Cure Foundation came midway through 2020. So um, obviously the pandemic hit in March and in our BYLR community, I had posted in May, I had posted an idea I had to, to get like small business founders and, and, um, and entrepreneurs together in a small business mastermind. 
And we would just like get on a Zoom call. Anybody was invited. And we had a bunch of different, you know, backgrounds on the calls. And we'd have like two or three hot seats and just kind of spit out what our issue is, like how we're dealing with whatever the issue is with the pandemic and our business and whatnot, get everybody's input. And we were doing that like every week for a couple of months. And uh, on one of those calls, I met a woman called uh, named Jody Ames, and she founded this organization called Hope Loves Company. They, they're the only foundation that they hold camps for caregivers of uh, families that are caregiving for uh, ALS. Like someone in their family has ALS. And this camp was to like support the caregivers and get them all together and uh, kind of create like a support network for them. And that like just popped an idea in my head. I'm like, this is like, this is what I have to do. Like, this is, this is it. Like I got to turn a cent to a cure after this fundraiser is completed into a foundation and hold these camps for JM kids. And um, obviously the middle of the pandemic was not in time to get a bunch of kids with autoimmune disease together in person. So uh, that took a lot of patience and, you know, just not letting go of the idea, but it also kind of gave me the time to really think it all through how it could work. You know, sometimes I've, I've been guilty of just jumping at a good idea and, uh, you know, even businesses that I've started and, and uh, you know, sometimes a good idea isn't a great business. I think Jesse has said that sometimes, <laughs> but um, it, it, it forced me to have patience and really think it through and make sure that it's, you know, it would work and it's something that I want to keep doing for the long, for the long haul. So that was kind of a gift of, um, you know, of the pandemic. So you know, one of the important parts of, of the foundation and one of the challenges kids is that being so rare of a disease, like oftentimes they've never met another kid in person with their disease. Mm. And the same thing for the parents. They've never met another family in person that they could just meet with and, and form a relationship with and talk, talk about things with. And that's, that's a huge challenge, especially for the kids, I think, because I can't count how many times my daughter's, you know, miss school and for a, for a hospital infusion day. And it's like, why am I the only kid in my class who has JM or why is it, you know, why doesn't everybody else have, have infusions? And we've been fortunate that there's been some kids somewhat locally to us that, um, that she's met that, that have JM. And uh, I told it you know, on our website, I told a quick story of this one family that um, was recently diagnosed in 2021 the Cure Jam Foundation kind of connected us because we were like, we lived like 30 minutes apart and we invited them over to our house. It was like three months after the girls diagnosed and we you know, hung out with the, with the parents and talked to them. And these two little girls got together and within like three hours were like the bestest of friends. Like, oh. and, and we've only met them in person that one time. And ever since that day, they both like talk to each other on, you know, messenger kids and video chat. And like when one has an infusion, like they're sending messages of support to each Cheering other. Cheering each other on. Like you got this Ryan or like, you know, you got this Natalia. And it's like so incredible and, and like sweet that like that how quickly they can make that connection just because it's like a common, you know, they're, they're, they're going through a common challenge together. And I think it's like, 
you know, way faster than any kid, any kids, you know? Yeah. It's giving them that sense of community to where they feel like they're not alone and also mm-hmm. providing support for the, for the parents as well, um, to where they can have that support. And then also just giving them a, a place to just like enjoy the activities and have fun. Right. Yeah. So that that's amazing. And so is, I think it's your, your first ascent adventure camp is coming up in this year, right? Can you yeah. talk about uh, what, what's going to be happening and how, if people want to help support where they can do that? Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, uh, another, it's funny, the art, these communities that we're in, like it, you just meet like amazing people and, and like things just kind of happen. Right. So like, same, same woman, J- Jody Ames, a BYLR meetup last year, last fall. It was around the holidays and um, just some random people from New York, New Jersey, PA got together and, and uh, you know, had some food and just chatted and stuff. And I was telling uh, this group of people, you know, what, what my plan was for this foundation that I was just getting started a year ago. And this one woman, Carmen Ring, said, um, Oh, like my camp is perfect for this. Like me and my husband own a camp in New York, in New York state. It's like an hour North of New York city, like two hours from where you live. You can camp there. We have like glamping tents and there's high ropes and, and rock walls and swimming and um, archery. And, you know, we can do arts and crafts and have food brought in and like, it's just everything under one, one roof. And we we like our staff even like manages it. You don't even need volunteers. I was like, like, what are the, like, again, what are the odds of you, like, just happening upon somebody like this? And uh, it just shows, like, you know, the power of, of, you know, being in communities, right? So, like, that was instantly, like, okay, the campus is set now. Like, we have a location. It's, it's perfect. And, and yeah, so, you know, it took a while to, to create the 501c3. We finally got that done in the fall. And um, now we, we did our first fundraiser. We're already over, I think we're at like 23,000 raised. Awesome. At, so I think our, our, our camp will cost us about 30. So we're, we're pretty close to having the first, the first camp uh, funded and, and uh, paid for already. And then our other idea that we're going, once we have the, this camp set up, we run through that in August. Our other idea with the foundation is to have like a, once a year, um, parents only outing and maybe we'll go to somewhere like Sedona or like the mountains in North Carolina and we'll do some hiking and some kind of wellness retreat type stuff to, um, just get parents like a break with other parents, you know, that are dealing with the same challenges as them and, um, kind of do the same thing in a smaller group, you know, adventure type atmosphere. Uh, because our, our thought is that bonds are formed much quicker and stronger when you're doing something adventurous with people. Huge believer in that. Like that's really another example of like the power of just doing an endurance event, doing a challenge, doing some sort of experience with a group of people, because, you know, it's, it's the whole like thing that Jesse talks about where it's, you're going to connect more and bond more with people when you're doing something like that in an hour than, 10 years of working together in an office. So I completely, completely agree with that. And like, congratulations on getting to this point and just the amazing work that you're doing, because I can just tell like how big of a difference it's making. And I know that one of your goals for this year 
was to get a cent to a cure to officially be a tax exempt, uh, nonprofit public charity. So you achieved that. Right. And then I think also you recently celebrated, uh, 10 years in business, uh, with your company. And so I'm just curious, like as somebody like myself, who is a, you know, kind of a new entrepreneur, new business owner, are there any, any key lessons that come to mind that you want to pass along uh, to me or to anybody who's listening? Yeah, I, I would say like the number one thing I've learned over the past couple of years is the power of like tying your business to a cause that, uh, you know, is much greater than just your income. You know, anybody can, can work or build a business and get to a point in, in your income where you're, you're comfortable and you don't need anymore, even though our you know, society is always seeming to push people to want more and more. But I've personally hit a, hit a point where I'm like, I'm happy where I'm at. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when you're able to tie your business to like a why that's greater than that, that just kind of drives you on those days where you don't feel like showing up or, you know, you're in a hard situation. Like you think about, all right, well, this is supporting my family, but I could go work for somebody else to support my family. Like that's kind of a, the, the bare minimum, right? Yeah. But you know, when I'm, when, when a project is helping me, you know, support the foundation that we're, that we've, that we've formed now. And, you know, this project is going to send 15 families to this camp. And that's going to be like life-changing for them. This day is not that hard anymore. You know, mm. it's not big. So I think that like, that's been really powerful. And, and ironically, I set that goal January 1st, 2020 to start donating money. And two and a half, three months later, the pandemic hit. And I definitely had the, the thought in my head, like, maybe I got to postpone this. Like, wow. Yeah. Maybe this is maybe this is a little risky. Like I can't like risk the ship. Yeah, we'll pick over this, this. Up next year. And uh, but I, I decided to stick to it because I really felt so strongly about it, and that that having that anchor of a, of a why in the business would help me figure out a way. Just like the large fundraising goal, it would help me figure out a way through the problem of the pandemic and the challenges that 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 was inevitably going to be facing for all of our businesses. And so I stuck with it, you know, and and secondary, you know, secondary reason, I think that that's important is, you know, if you're, if I'm bidding on your house and you've got three other builders that you're looking at and everything's even, I know I would choose to work with the company that has a cause, cause related business that like my money is going to go to support this as well going to build my house and almost every builder in, in my area can build the same house. But if your money is going to go to me and then we're going to donate that in your name to help others, I think that kind of brings you above the rest, you know, you, you and your business. And it shows that like what type of person those people are choosing to do business with. So tying your business to a greater cause or a deeper why, and that's, that's a, it's, it's something that's going to help you make a difference on the days when you aren't really feeling motivated or you aren't feeling like you, you need to put 100% effort in there. And it's also going to differentiate for your, your customers. And it's, it's kind of funny because that's what we talked about at the beginning with endurance challenges 
as well, where it's like, eventually you reach a point where you just kind of hit a wall and then you're stuck thinking about like, well, why am I even doing this? And like having a strong why there. So I think that that's a, a really good connection between entrepreneurship business and endurance events. Uh, is there any, anything else that you feel like is a connection between the endurance challenges that you've done, the endurance journey that you've gone through with your daughter and your, your entrepreneurial life as well? I always like to say like inspiration is much greater than motivation. So if you can be inspired to to go after a, you know, an event or a challenge or starting your business. Like it doesn't have to be an endurance event. Like you could, you could be, you know, want to start a, another business because you want to be home more with your kids. I mean, that's literally why I started my company is that I was, I was commuting two hours each way to New York city to, to, you know, be a construction manager in the city. And my son was born and I was like, I don't want to like, that's not the dad I want to be, you know, I want to mm-hmm. be home. And I want to have like the ability to flex my time. And that's what drove me to, to start the business and go through those ups and downs, especially in the first, you know, five, six years of like, man, is this going to work out? Like having that why and being inspired by it was much more uh, of a driver than just being motivated for, you know, monetary reasons or something kind of somewhat superficial. So I think like with a strong enough why you can, you can move mountains. Like there's really no, no challenge that you can't push through with a strong enough why. I love what you said about like inspiration being like more powerful than motivation because so many people talk about motivation versus like consistency or motivation versus discipline. And that's what I talk about, but inspiration is a different thing. Mm -hmm. right? Inspiration is something like that's in your spirit. It's like in your soul that that is that burning desire. So I love, I love what you said there. And this whole conversation has been so like timely for me because uh, I've been building this podcast, building a business kind of on the side. And next week I'm actually starting to go part-time at my current employer so that I can have more time Uh, at my, on my business. And so just hearing you talk about like having a strong why tying, tying that to a social cause and thinking, setting a big goal and like thinking bigger, like these are, this is just like so perfect for me. (laughs) So I just want to say thank you for, for all of that so far. And so just kind of one, one question as we start to, to wrap up here, one of the things that I really believe is Endurance is that ability to continue or last despite stress or obstacles. And to me, when you compete in challenges like this, or you take on a big goal, it's not the actual event. It's the person you become along the way. And um, I would just be curious, is there one piece of advice that you have for people who are listening, entrepreneurs or athletes to help them build like real endurance. And that's the, the becoming the type of person that can continue or last despite whatever stands in their way. Yeah, I would say, I mean, we've hit it a lot, having a, a very strong why of, why of why you're doing what you're doing is, is critical for me. Constant forward momentum, you know, like they said on the mountain, like 
on the mountain. Don't come down the gondola and sit in a chair or go in, inside. Like, take a few steps and rest. Take a few steps and rest. It's that chipping away and constant momentum that will just keep you moving forward, literally and figur- figuratively. Setbacks are going to happen, but little micro adjustments will probably fix most of them. And, you know, don't be afraid to, to veer one way or the other, like in your business or in your training plan, right? When I first started my business, I thought it was just going to be like a project manager for people. And then people started asking me to build their houses and that was never in the game plan. And it was a whole nother business and I need all different insurance, you know, policies and whatnot. It was a lot more risk involved, but that's what the market told me, right? So I have to adjust. And if I stuck with my plan that I started out with, I would have been out of business. <laughs> mm. Been right back, you know, commuting and 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 uh, not around uh, my kids the way I wanted to be. So, but yeah, I, I would say like, just like you said, like the event isn't the, the event to me is the celebration. And, you know, the, the real takeaway of anything is like the journey to get there and the, and the training program, so to speak. So all those hours you put in by yourself are what make you the person that can complete the event. And I think that's why, why we, we continue to kind of push ourselves and, and try to sign up for things that we don't necessarily think we can, we can finish that are like right outside of our comfort zone, because you have to, you've got to be a different person to, to be able to finish it uh, mentally and physically. So I think that's why you're, you're going in, in Ultraman because you don't really think you can do it. And yeah. It's kind of scary. That's like, that's what makes you feel alive. Right. I've got to, I've got to come up with, you know, a new me to get through this thing and how am I going to do it? And if you fail, like the old uh, Teddy Roosevelt uh, saying, you know, the man in the, if, if the man in the arena fails, like it's not a failure. At least you 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 died try, trying valiantly. So that's one of my all time favorite quotes. By the it way, is. the man in I the arena. I use that all the time. Do you? And oh man, I use it all the time, and it's it's the, it's the best. It's like, and and you know, it's it happened like I drew on that like when I was going through doubts about starting the foundation. What if nobody shows up? <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't raise enough money. Like, what if, what if, what if? But like, if you think about it, if one family showed up, they played with, with my daughter, like the win, right? Like how is that a failure? It's literally impossible to fail. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I, uh, I love that. And like I said, like, I've just really enjoyed the conversation and your, your main takeaways around having a strong why having a, a cause that you're working, working towards showing up consistently moving forward, but being willing to adjust, make like the micro adjustments and pivot when necessary. And when you do that, when you view it through the lens of like, why am I doing this? All right, I'm doing this to try and help as many people as possible. But if I help just one person or one family, then it's all worth it. Like you said, if you, if you have that as like your, your aim there, there's, there's no way that you can fail. And so I, I love, I love that takeaway and I love having that as we're kind of wrapping up. And so again, like, thank you for, for coming on and for sharing, you know, your story and all the amazing things that you're doing with your foundation. Is there any, are there any last words that you want to mention? If people want to help support, where can they go to do that? 
Everything about the foundation can be uh, found on our website. So it's Ascent to a Cure. It's A-S-C-E-N-T, number two, a cure.org. You could, you know, register to be involved in there. You can register for the, for the camp itself. If you are a family um, with someone in it with JM, uh, you can donate through the website. And you can also just contact us if you want to be a volunteer in some fashion at the camp or just in general for the organization. Instagram at Ascent to a Cure, same spelling. Facebook, uh, the same deal. And uh, yeah, yeah, just follow us along. And if you know anybody with JM, um, please pass our organization on to them because we want to help uh, get as many families as we can there to just make it a, a bigger and bigger impact. Uh, we just started promoting registrations yesterday. In the first like 24 hours, we have uh, 20, 20 families signed up. Oh my gosh. Pretty awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, that's like uh, 80 to 100 people already. Uh, our goal is 50 families and 200 people in all. So we're getting close to halfway there and it's been 24 hours. <laughs> Within 24 hours. That is amazing. And like you said, you already have 20 families that are going to be coming together, building relationships, building community. And that's a, a wild success already. And so exactly. I'll make sure that we have all of those links in the description and the show notes and, and we'll, we'll help support what you're doing. And just wanted to say thank you and uh, really appreciate uh, the work that you're doing and keep it up. Thanks, man. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it since we uh, shared a, a couple of laps on the mountain. And yeah. Uh, I thought it was going to be more a conversation about that fundraiser. And, uh, you know, honestly, it, I didn't know when this foundation would, would even be formed. So it's uh, it's been nice to uh, review it a year later with you and uh, uh, on your podcast. 